Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sales. Thanks for tuning in. Um, today, I have a very special guest with me. We've been trying to go at this for almost a year now. <laughs> uh, Dorian and I, uh, this is Dorian St. Fleur. And um, let me introduce her and then get into it. Uh, Dorian St. Fleur is a career uh, strategist and a leadership coach for women of color. Um, she provides uh, in, H oh, excuse me, in HR, legal, uh, compliance, corporate finance, marketing, communications, and operations. Uh, she coaches current and aspiring leaders on how to increase influence, uh, perfect performance, and find fulfillment. Uh, basically, Dorian helps you get out of your own way so that you can align your purpose, thrive in your dream career, and get paid top dollar to do what you are meant to do, what you were created to do. Um, so, Dorian, I want to thank you again for coming in here, and uh, thank you for being part of the Secrets of Thank the you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. In addition to, I just, I might I have to add, uh, Dorian is actually uh, very in, uh, a key component in uh, assisting me in getting this podcast off the ground. Um, <laughs> Seems like so long ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, she's a very integral part of Secrets of the Sale, so thank you for that. Uh, Dorian St. Floor is on Instagram and your IG handle is, uh, your career girl. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I wanted to talk about the topic of today's session is, sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. The topic of today's session is, um, how to get paid top dollar to afford that house. And uh, a lot of, uh, and I've noticed in along my journey with people contacting me for how, their housing needs, whether it be rentals, whether it be housing, uh, looking to purchase their first home, investment properties, what have you, um, a lot of people's challenge is having the right income to afford, unfortunately, the rising high costs, especially here in New York City and states like California and uh, the high rising costs in states that it's making it very, very difficult to uh, to afford. And that's a, contrib a contributing factor of that is income, lack of income, lack of uh, having to purchase a property with two or more people just to be able to afford to stay in the state that you, you reside in. Um, and one of the things I want to share is uh, Dorian's action plan. Dorian has um, strategies to assist people on how to ask for a higher raise, a higher income, so that you can afford that house. Now, my first question, Doreen, is uh, how do you ask for a raise? So I think even before you go and ask for a raise, there's a lot of pre-work that needs to be done that I think people don't think about. A lot of times people say, oh, well, I want to buy a house or I want to do whatever large purchase and I need to make more money. I'm not making enough. And let me just go into my boss's office and say, hey, I need some more money. Right. Well, as someone who's been in HR for a long time, um, it doesn't work like that. So there's a lot of pre-work that you should be doing first. And the first thing is to really assess where you are in relation to the market. So what I mean by that is, let's say you are in communications, you've been in communications for eight years, you are a senior, at a senior manager level, you need to find out, am I getting paid what I should be paid for my level of experience, for my 
my academic background, for my performance level. And you can do that by doing some research, literally going online, looking at sites like glassdoor.com, salary.com, payscale.com, and get a sense for what the going rate is. Even LinkedIn, some of the roles on LinkedIn, it they have salaries attached to it. So that's the first thing you should do. You should keep in mind, though, that when you do look on those sites, the information is user submitted. So I can literally go on there and say, oh, I get paid um, X amount uh, for some of it. Some of the site, like Glassdoor is user submitted. So people can put in whatever they want. And stuff like uh, salary.com and Payscale, it's, they take information from users and they take information from the, the actual market, but there's always a grain of salt with that. So this is just one layer. It's not the end all be all. Okay. You don't get a number and say, oh, well, it says I should be making $75,000. And so, hey, boss, this is what I need to make because it said so on Glassdoor.com. Right. So this is just one data point. Once you have that, then you also need to go and test the actual market. Talk to recruiters, look for other roles, get on the phone conversations and apply, get into an interview process and see what are they offering you. A lot of times I'm able to work with my clients to figure out what they're what they should be getting paid by having them go and do an actual job search, even if they're not looking to leave per se, just going out there and testing the market. I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm at multiple times, maybe like two or two or three times a year, I'm in a job search, even though I'm not always looking to leave my company, but I want to see my skills. I want to see if I'm getting paid the right level, et cetera. So really just test the market. Once you do that, once you figure out where you are in relation to the market, then you put together your game plan to actually have the conversation. And so now that you have this number, you've gone out, you've had a few conversations with your friends, colleagues. It's, I know it's taboo for people to talk about how much you get paid, but a close circle, people that are confident, someone that you can confide in, asking them, hey, I know we've, we're in similar industries and we have similar experience. I'm getting paid this. What about you? Or I'm getting paid this. Is that realistic? Plus the research you do online, plus testing the market, you should begin to have a good sense of where you should be. Once you do that, then you think about, okay, so this is what the market says. Now, where is my company? How have I performed? Am I a top performer? What is what the rating what have the ratings been for my performance reviews for last year and the year before? Um, what extra projects have I done? And just kind of get, make your case that way. And then you go and have the conversation with your manager, HR, whoever it is in your company that you would have those conversations with. And you talk to them and say, hey, I've done this research um, based on these extra curricular activities based on my performance review, my expectations are X and I'd like to talk about how we can get myself there. So I think there's a whole game plan that people often overlook and underestimate that needs to go into this process when you're thinking about asking for a raise. You know, that's a, you, you stressed a, a number of points, but one of the ones that I've heard frequently is going to different employers, you know, and asking for Getting accepting an interview mm -hmm. at different in, in your industry, different employers, and seeing what you're worth mm -hmm. to them, and then bringing that back to your employer. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I think that's a very important because sometimes I've I've heard of people being underpaid twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars less than what they're currently receiving mm -hmm. just because they didn't know they didn't test the waters. Mm -hmm. um, so or true. there have been even instances where you realize, oh, wait, I thought I was being underpaid, but I'm actually pretty good. That's happened to me a few times where mm -hmm. I'd gone out and I gotten an offer somewhere else. And the offer that they're 
and what they're offering is actually less than what I'm making at my company. And that makes me say, oh, okay, I am in a good spot based on this industry or based on whatever it is. So either way, but I think not doing the research, right. people who people who stay in the companies generally are getting paid twenty to thirty thousand dollars less than if someone who just came from the outside. And not because your company is mean and they want to keep you down, but just it's the way it is. Like, I'm going to give you smaller increments as an organization because you're already there. Like, why do I need to go out of my way? Whereas someone who's coming from the outside, they're going to negotiate and all of these things and, and, and they're likely to be getting paid a higher amount. And would you recommend also, uh, I'm just trying to think of different ideas and ways that people can get more money. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend maybe if they're in a two-income household and one um, individual has you know, medical insurance or mm -hmm. insurance. So that, therefore, that contributes to the income and salary as well, mm -hmm. correct? So that package would be less to the employer. Therefore, they can pay you more money as opposed to paying medical and benefits and a salary. Well, so, so most times when, when employers are thinking about total compensation, and total compensation just means like how much everything adds up to when they're paying you. They don't necessarily think about benefits and, and medical as part of that. They think about base salary, any bonuses, any sign-ons, any equity or stock. Those are kind of what goes into a total compensation, not necessarily benefits and, and all of that. So maybe some smaller companies, maybe some startups, maybe, but big organizations, not really. So even if your spouse is paying for your insurance, that's not necessarily a leverage point where you could say, oh, well, you're not paying the insurance. Can I get some more on my salary? So not necessarily. Okay. Okay. Um, now, but yes. sorry, but yeah. it does help with take-home pay because let's say my spouse is paying insurance. Right then that, I don't even know how much my insurance is, a couple hundred dollars a paycheck, right? right? That, if I don't have to do that, that $200 is in my pocket every month. So it, it kind of, no, it doesn't, it's not leveraging your negotiation, but that's more money in your pocket. Right, right, right. So house prices, unfortunately, don't coincide with the income uh, that people make nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, what can millennials do to make more money to purchase in New York City and high-cost states like California, maybe um, what about taking a job offer in another state? Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, if you work in New York and you receive a job offer in North Carolina, South Carolina, Atlanta, um, you know, would you recommend um, people start looking outside of their comfort zone, mm -hmm. outside of the state that they live in? Well, I recommend people always are outside of their comfort zone for everything. Um, but, yes, this is no different. I think that you should be creative. <laughs> Even before you get to this, and I know, like, I'm not, like, a financial guru, guru or anything, but I think... Even before you get to the point, I think the re the issue is I know people who don't make six figures and have built a great life for themselves and have bought homes and, and all of this. And a lot of it is because it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. Agreed. And so even before you're thinking about buying a home and, and especially if you're in a high cost state, you should be thinking about your budget. You should be thinking about like, how can I invest beforehand? You should be thinking about, you know, what can I cut on? Should I live with my parents instead of getting rent, instead of renting first and so I can have more money? So that's, that's the first thing. But once you're at a point where you're thinking about buying the home, I think you just need to be smart about the money that you are getting. There are certain industries that 
have bonuses attached to it. I know when I, I've always worked in industries and at companies where I get yearly bonuses, mm -hmm. and that has been helpful in having um, down payments for home, a home or something like that. So instead of spending that bonus on, you know, when I was younger, you know, we used to go, I got my bonus. Hey, my husband, let's go to the Gucci store. Let's, you know, whatever. But as you get older, <laughs> as you get older, like yeah. think about putting that away to put towards your down payment um, or to pay off debt so that you can get a lower interest rate for your, for your home, things like that. Um, but then yes, think about not living in the lap of luxury. Like we, when we were ready to buy a home, as you know, you helped us, you helped us with that process. We could have lived in Brooklyn, which is where we love and, and, and where we're from, but we moved to Queens because, you know, at the, not no shade against people in Queens. I've lived there for five, five years, but it, you know, it's not five years. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Almost five years. It felt it's not Brooklyn. That. Right. And right. so we had a dream about living in a certain neighborhood and we wanted the brownstone and all this. We just had to be realistic with, we don't have brownstone money, so where <laughs> where can we go? Right. And I think a lot of times, like even when I speak to people when they are renting places, like they're paying all this money for rent in Manhattan. They have all these roommates when you could have had a beautiful apartment just living somewhere else. So I think people need to be realistic about what they actually can afford. Mm -hmm. um, maybe delaying when you buy the home so that you have more money to add to it. Thinking about moving into other boroughs and thinking about moving out of state. New York is not the, like, I know this is blasphemy, but it's not the only amazing place to live in Agreed. the world. Mm -hmm. There are other places to live. And I know the automatic response people are going to say is, okay, but yes, the, the cost of living is lower, but so is the pay. Not necessarily. I have clients who've gone out of New York and have gotten raises mm. in other states. And so, or because taxes are different, maybe the salary is lower, but New York kills us in taxes. And so other states... Not so much. So they actually take home, again, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. They take home a lot more money and are able to buy homes. I, I know people right now in my mind who was living in an apartment, walk up, not necessarily fabulous here, move to other states like Atlanta or Florida and have their fabulous home with right. the pool and all of this kind of stuff. Right. You have to think outside of the box. And if you really do want to live here, again, think about delaying gratification. It's something millennials do not do. My parents are immigrants. They started small and then were able to then eventually work their way up. Agreed. You may not get that amazing baller home that you want right now, wait. You may not be able to live out yet out of your parents' home yet. Just wait. I think it's just playing the long game. Right, right. And my dad always told me it's, it's called sweat equity. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, I was never millennial, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. But when I was younger, you know, I wanted that luxury home. I wanted to be home. I got my first house at 22, but with my dad's help. However, it was about building equity. It's about buying low, building the equity, and then taking that money and, thank you, taking that money and then moving on to something bigger and better. That's amazing, uh, amazing tips. Now, uh, one of the things that um, I wanted to ask you is the time frame. So when someone is at their current job, what's the time frame that you would recommend? Let's say they've been at their job for a year or six months. When would you recommend they actually start looking at other employers to see what kind of salary they can get other places? So I'm going to say it depends. So if you are in a situation where you're at a role and it's toxic, mm -hmm. then I'd say mm -hmm. I don't care how long it's been. Okay. If it's been two months, I know people are like, oh, I can't jump around and it's going to look bad on my resume. 
what's at stake. Your mental health, your mm. your your physical health, right. your well-being is at stake. So if you're in a toxic environment where you're there's anxiety, I've been in environments for myself where just like crying every Sunday and pit stomach um pain in the pit of my wow. stomach and like just really emotional and anxious mm-hmm. and I stayed there way too long. I was there for 2 years, but th- there's no time limit for that. So I, I know what it feels like to be mentally and physically drained. If, however, it's just that, you know, yeah, I want to, I can't afford this or I, I want to do something else or, you know, kind of some of the things we're talking about, then there's a little bit more leeway. I'd say personally, you should at least wait a year on, 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 on for, to be looking for something else. It's not a big, as big of a stigma anymore to have like, oh, a year and a half or I was here for eight months. Is I can spin anything and I spin stuff with my clients all the time. As long as you have the right story behind it, it's fine. Like okay. you'll, you'll, we'll think of a reason why or we'll make it sound good or whatever it is. No. Should you have five jobs where you say six months each time? No. But if there's one or two instances on your resume, okay, we can figure it out. We can talk through it. Okay. But I'd say in all, in a perfect world, a year two years um, just to kind of make it solidified on your resume. And then you can begin the process of trying to move on and do something different. Okay, that's good. That's important because it's important to know because I know that maybe do you find that because you're, you're a millennial in HR and then you're talking to uh, someone else in HR who's maybe, um, you know, a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find a difference? In- yes. Okay. Yes. So it, it's very much generational. Not all yeah. the time, not right. to make a blanket statement, but, you know, in, in general, it's generational. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, though, is that millennials, we're getting older. Like, I'm a millennial, but I'm 35 years old. So, right, like, right. that's, we're, we're, like, the, who's in the HR right, right now. Right, so, right. everything is is changing. And the okay. way that I view things, the way that I think about work-life balance, flexibility, working from home, job hopping is very different than if my parents were in HR and what they would think. Right. So, that's something to understand that we're turning over. And mm-hmm. um, the, the people who are over 40, that would be in a, maybe another generation and thinking about things, they're, they're moving out of those positions. That said, some of them are still there. They're senior levels and all of that. And there are some, not every millennial thinks the same. So that's why I'd say like in a, in an ideal situation, still try to wait, still try to get that time on your resume, but not at the expense of your well-being or your health or anything like that. Amazing. Yeah. That's important. Uh, and you can't get that time back that you've been anxious and exactly. you know, stressed out about. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love most about your statement on IG, your your on the IG handle is mm-hmm. uh, you teach women of color to. Yes, I teach women of color how to get paid top dollar to do the work that they're meant to do. Right. And so that's really important to me. I do a lot of, yes, I'm a career strategist, career coach, leadership coach, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I really feel like I am like I'm a purpose pusher. Like I'm all about people fulfilling, finding and and working in their purpose. And I think it's so counterintuitive to where everybody is today. Everyone's trying to be an entrepreneur. Everyone's saying, you know, screw the nine to five life and, and a boss babe till I die and all these kinds of things, which is fine. I'm an entrepreneur as well. And there's value in that. But one, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Um, and entrepreneurship doesn't mean that you're working in your purpose. I know a lot of stressed Mm. out, burnt out entrepreneurs who are not doing well. And like, I have so many ands and just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're making money. I make in my nine to five more than a lot of y'all favorite entrepreneurs on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like they're not making money. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about 
that's not the only way to live a purposeful life right. just because you're on the beach and this is my view today and all of this stuff. Like no shade against any of people who that's their life or that's what you want to do. But there is something to be said about being an employee and working your nine to five. Most of us do it. If you look at the numbers, most people work in nine to fives. Right. Um, and even if on your journey to becoming an entrepreneurship, you're going to have to go through that nine to five. You're going to have to make a pit stop, pit stop through the nine to five, most of us. Right. So I think it's it's beneficial that while you're doing that, you're working in your purpose. And mo- sometimes when I speak to women or when I coach women, they end up quitting their jobs because their purpose isn't this nine to five life. And it is to build a, start a business. I've helped people quit their jobs and build businesses and make money and do what they need to do. So I'm not saying don't be an entrepreneur, but I am saying take time to think about what your purpose is. A lot of us do not do that. We don't, if I ask you, what are your gifts? What are your strengths? What do you think that God put you on this earth to do? Correct. What would you say? Would you be able to respond to that? Would you have you thought about it? Have you reflected on it? If you have, are you working on it? And so my goal is to make sure that the time that you spend working, because we spend so much time working, we spend one third of our adult lives at work. You should be doing work that you want to do. You should be doing work that makes sense. You should be doing work that aligns with your purpose. And not only that, you should be getting paid well for it. I think there's another misconception that if you do work in your purpose, if you do do work that you're meant to do, that you're going to take a pay cut, that you're not going to get paid well. And that's just not true. Right. And so I really want to help women, one, get in get in contact with themselves and really understand what their purpose is, realize that they can get paid well to do that, make a plan to do that, and then overcome all the negativity, the self-talk, the barriers, the blockages telling them that they can't do this or they can't do that because of their credentials or their age or whatever it is that happened in their past and go out there and do what they are meant to do. I'm glad you you brought that up because um, even myself, I'm in real estate. I love what I do. I get paid very well. However, there was a transition period. Uh, I was in sales and corporate sales, and then I went into healthcare. And then, at in my healthcare position, when I had when I was pregnant with my son, I said, "No, this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I need to find something that I'm going to enjoy." I was burnt out in corporate sales, but I did know that that was a strength of mine. But I said, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to real estate." And I had a background with real estate because my my father, my my uncle were investors. So mm-hmm. I said, "You know what? This is something that I think I have a skill set to do." And I transitioned. And I know a lot of people who also feel the same way. They're, they're nine to five. They, they, they know that's not their purpose, but you have to evaluate your skill set and, and align yourself with mm-hmm. your purpose, as yeah. you said. Because a lot of times people are looking at, especially with social media, mm-hmm. they're being peer pressured into becoming a boss babe or mm-hmm. entrepreneur, independent contractor, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. However, that is not your calling. Right. You or, can't- or if it's, there's so many ways to do it. So yes, maybe it is your calling to be an entrepreneur, but doing what? And I think that if you don't take the time to reflect, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. And there's a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who, because they just scoffed at, you know, being in a nine to five and all this stuff, they didn't develop specific skills that they need. If you sucked as an employee, I say this all the time, you'll suck as an entrepreneur. Mm. If you don't know how to be a team player, if you don't know how to sell yourself, if you don't know how to do public speaking, if you don't know how to put together a brand as an employee, you'll it's going to be hard for you to do that as an, as an entrepreneur as well. You won't be able to put together your materials. You won't be able to stay on task. You won't be able to prioritize. You won't be able to strategize. These are things that I've learned as an employee right. doing really well, being a top performer that I'm bringing over into my business, the, my customer service, the my professionalism, 
the way that I'm able to carry myself, I learned that in the mean streets of Wall Street. Like I learned that doing all in those places. So I just think like back to what we were even talking about with the house, like let's stop rushing. Let's stop trying to hurry up and get to whatever this end result is. And let's be strategic about the process that we take to get there. I agree. And it's not slowing down. It's just being strategic. Mm -hmm. Like, because everyone has their own path, their own timeline, but it's being uh, intentional and strategic about it. Amazing. Uh, So now you, what is the largest uh, uh, increase or a salary increase that you've been able to assist uh, your clients with? I know if you've gotten clients 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, what's the largest? The largest salary increase that I'm so proud of um, happens the ending of last year or the, it was either end of last year or beginning of this year and it was for $90,000. Wow. An increase. An Not increase. a salary. No, 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 no. Increase. A $90,000 What was the increase. base? Um, I don't even remember. Wow. I think it was, I think it was 45000 Wow. And okay. then, and she, along with that, she relocated across the country. So it was with a relocation that was attached to it. So she had a relocation package on top of that, all of that stuff. But that was something that I was very proud of. Um, before that, it was um, $45,000 was one of the big ones that I've done before. Um, for myself, my my salary, I've negotiated like 25000 But if I think about like the total package, I've done like $75,000 for myself um, when I think about bonuses and, and, and base salary and equity and everything came up to $75,000 for myself. But for my client, that's straight salary. That's nice. just all salary that she gets to take home every two weeks. I'm very, like, I still get so excited when I think about That's amazing. what we were able to do. That's amazing. And how long did it take? So I'm glad you asked that question. So when I worked with her, I think this is the theme of today, like just slow down and honor your pace and all of this stuff. When we started, the whole process from start to finish took a year. However, when I initially worked, started working with her, she was unemployed um, and she didn't know, you know, what's her next step, what's happening. And so within about five, six months, we got her to another, to a job. It wasn't this. And it came with a slight raise, I I believe. I don't remember, but it was toxic. She got there and right away, and because she was unemployed, she really wanted to get another job. And, you know, I really talk about people like, again, aligning with your purpose. And like I have a whole process that I walk people through about understanding if this is your dream job or not. Um, and so we did that. There were some red flags, but she needed a job. So she took the job um, and it was toxic when I talk about just anxious and berating her and just, it was horrible, horrible, mm. horrible. And so we had to regroup and then she had to go again and, and find this other job. So the whole process took a year. This specific section of her took about like a few months, like four months or so from that second job to this job. Um, but the whole process took a while. Sometimes it's going to take a while. Right. <laughs> I right. have clients where they got um, three job offers in three weeks. And I really started to kind of pull back from ha- like, um, like celebrating that and, and advertising that because I don't want people to think that it's going to happen like that for everyone because sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Right. So it's been three weeks all the way to her. It took a whole year for her to get what it is. My point with my clients, again, is that you're trying to find purposeful work. If you're anyone can just go and get a job doing right. something, getting paid some amount. But if you actually want to be getting paid to do work that you're meant to do, it can take a while sometimes. Correct, correct. Yeah. 
Uh, now, now back to you. Mm-hmm. You actually are in a job right now, but you're actually you just got a, pro- yeah. a promotion, mm-hmm. and you got a package where you're able to travel across, uh, relocate to another state. Yeah, we're moving to California, ah. and I'm so so excited, I'm so excited. So this happened kind of by accident. So I mentioned thing is accidental. <laughs> I mentioned to you before that I'm always in a job search myself. I want to make sure that my skills are tight, that I'm getting paid, etc. And so in one of these um, cycles that I was doing, a really amazing, reputable, <laughs> amazing company reached out to me. Um, and so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I do this. I'll, I'll do the process, you know, not thinking anything of it. And it just turned out to be an amazing experience. And it turned out to be, you know, um, an offer I couldn't refuse. And um, just kind of things were shifting in my current company anyways. And so it was time for me to move on. And so, yeah, I I took that and this was, I negotiated for myself. I practice every single thing that I preach. I practice it as well. So of course I negotiated for myself. We have a relocation package. We have temp housing for six months, so I don't have to pay rent or mortgage or anything. We have um, just a lot of stuff as well. So yeah, I'm excited about that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Because that's huge. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, uh, you know, being that you have roots here on the East Coast, um, was was it at hard, you know, hard at all to, especially you have a child here who's already in school, mm-hmm. you know, was it difficult for you to make the decision or were you just gung-ho and saying, nope, this is for me? Yeah, no, it wasn't difficult. I think I'm, I'm a little different in, I've done a lot of work on my mindset. I do a lot of work on my thoughts and like my beliefs and all of those things. And so, no, traveling across the country, like, so what? It's not Mars. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, and it's good. not, and it's not like if I go, then I can't come back. It's not, there was never a part of me that felt like, oh my gosh, this is scary. Part of that is I've moved before, I've lived in other states before, I went away for college. So, this isn't new for me. I think if you ask my husband, he'll have a completely different response to it. Was, is this scary? Um, but, I just knew that I don't do anything that I don't pray about, that I don't, you know, that. So I knew it was a line, just even the way things were happening, even mm. the time in which the company reached out to me. It had been a time right after something, a very difficult, tragic thing happened um, with me. And then I had went out to California, visited a friend. And before then, I never thought I would move to California because I just think they're weirdos. And why would I do that? Um, <laughs> I'm about to be one, so I can say that. Um, but it just right after I came back, after I opened my mind to saying, oh, yeah, we could do this. I emailed my husband some houses out there and I was like, oh, this is almost as much as our house in New York. We could we could do this. And then literally I came back and there was an email in my inbox saying, hey, I know you told us a year ago that you wouldn't be interested in relocating. Just wanted to know, has anything changed? And I'm like, that's so random. That's so God. So I kind of just went through the process and just I just knew it was a line. So, no, <laughs> I'm not nervous about it. I'm ready. I'm excited for this new chapter. If we don't like it, we'll come back. Um, if we do, we'll stay there. Maybe we'll go somewhere else. I'm just all about adventure. And I know that why not? Like there's people doing things all the time that are out of their comfort zone. And that's when the the real success happens. Right. And so right. I'm open to this it. next chapter. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wanted to touch a little bit on uh, our experience and how mm-hmm. we met. And um, so we met through a mutual friend of your husband. Mm-hmm. No, actually a relative. No, no, husband. mutual friend of a both friend. of ours. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they were looking for a property in Queens, and mm-hmm. actually in Brooklyn. And then we moved to Queens, and they're like, "Oh no, we're gonna stay in Brooklyn." Yeah. So they, they purchased <laughs> something there, but they said, "Oh no, we have a really good friend of the family that we want you to work with." Mm-hmm. And that's how we met again five years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you actually are my neighbor as well. Mm-hmm. You live not too far. 
and uh, you purchased a beautiful home and did amazing renovations, mm -hmm. and, and your house is gorgeous. Um, but unfortunately, one of the things that we encountered is that during the process, uh, when I was pregnant, we there was a realtor who was a listing agent who um, bank owned property. And you got a good deal in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, there are some realtors who are just unscrupulous, mm -hmm. which he was one of them. And he decided to try to stiff me on my commission. That's a huge no-no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was, uh, yeah. So it took a, lot, a, a little while. But thankfully, um, with a lawsuit, unfortunately, uh, I was able to reclaim, you know, get my money and get paid. But um, one of the things, you know, I wanted to stress is to, to people also is, you know, entrepreneurship. I know that it's very, very challenging to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, to, you may get a check today. You may not get another check for another six months or a year, whatever, the, whatever, what have you. But ultimately, you know, you can't, you have to be, you have to walk in your purpose and, and do your work with integrity and with purpose because, um, and make sure that you don't, you don't burn anyone when, you, you know, this is a very, very, whatever industry that you're in is very, very small. Um, people are well connected. And regardless whether you're, you are, you're not. Just being ethical and doing the right thing it takes you a very, very long way. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to actually sabotage his career, which I didn't do. And thankfully, again, you know, it took a while for me to, to get my money. But uh, one of the things that I, I want to stress to entrepreneurs is uh, when, you're, when you're working, again, you're not going to get a paycheck every week or every two weeks as an, as an entrepreneur. You're going to make sure that you build a pipeline. You want to make sure you build what, what, whatever field that you're in. You want to make sure that you're, um, you're focused on building at all times. Because unfortunately, what happens is um, there are going to be dry seasons. There are going to be dry spells. And when there is, you're going to be you know, scratching your head trying to figure out where your next dollar is coming from. And stealing from another person is just not the way to go. Um, so I want to thank you so much, Doreen, for you know, your time here. And uh, any parting words that you want to share with us? audience? I would just say that it is worth it to take the time to invest in finding your purpose. I think we we work more than, we, we have more working years than we do have non-working years. We spend more time as an adult working and, and going and doing that grind. And so it's worth it to invest the time, the money, the energy, the effort into finding out what your purpose is and going after it. That's amazing. Uh, I, and please, I'd, I'd like you to share your handles on Instagram, Facebook, and yeah. how they can reach you. They can reach me at www.yourcareergirl.com. And then my Instagram and Facebook is at Your Career Girl. My Twitter is underscore Your Career Girl. The woman who has Your Career Girl wouldn't let me be great. She doesn't even use the account, but <laughs> didn't have it. Anyway, um, so... Or no, it's your career girl underscore. I'm not even on Twitter. Just Instagram, your career girl, um, Facebook, your career girl, and yourcareergirl.com. And you also have a podcast. I do. I have a podcast um, featured by BuzzFeed as one of 27 you should be listening to. Nice. So go ahead and listen to it. It's called Deeper Than Work. Okay. And you can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud and anywhere you listen to. Spotify? Um, I don't believe so. Okay. I need to step it up. But okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Amazing. So, Dorian, thank you so much for your time here. Uh, it's amazing. It's been amazing. Um, please check out um, Dorian on her Instagram. She's amazing. She has um, she provides free gems, free uh, um, resources. So reach out to her. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much.